Last week we talked from our study of the Joshua Code, 52 verses everyone should know. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about that forgiveness is based upon the righteousness and faithfulness of God and not our own. That's what 1 John 1, 9 tells us, that we are forgiven if we confess because of his righteousness and his faithfulness, not our righteousness and faithfulness. And so the point, and, and we also talked about how, how uh, forgiveness has a point. Forgiveness is not an end to itself. Forgiveness actually has the point of restoration of our relationship with God. So, so forgiveness isn't an end unto itself. It is a step toward re- reconciliation with God. And we can have a restored relationship with God because of his faithfulness and his righteousness. And, and we talked about that from 1 John. Now, we also talked last week from 1 John about how the book of 1 John, and I would argue all of Scripture, does not give you a gray area. Now, again, no gray area, no middle ground, no fence to sit on. Because 1 John presents it this way. He says, you're either walking in the light or in darkness. You're either walking in love or in hate. You're either in Christ or you are anti-Christ, against Christ. You're one of the two. And, and there is no middle ground. And I would argue that there is no gray area in Scripture anywhere. In fact, as, we, as you think about some Scriptures, for instance, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. They were talking about, at the time, they were talking about daily stuff to eat and, and clothing and, and that kind of thing. And, and Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Make that the point, and everything else will fall into place. Uh, Paul said in in Romans 5, he said that we were enemies of God until we were reconciled to God in Christ. There really isn't any gray area or middle ground or fence to sit on. Scripture gives us you are in Christ or you are not. You are against Christ. You're an enemy of God until you are in Christ. And we're going to see that in the verse we, we studied today. You read it earlier. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor is yourself. There is love and there is hate, and, there is, and, and we like that middle ground. We like the gray area, don't we? We like to kind of live in that place where we're not totally against something, but we're not really for it either. We just like to live there, and with the things of God, there is no gray area. There is no middle ground. There is no fence to sit on. You're on one side or the other. And again, we're going to see that in the verses that we study today. Now, where we're at today, this is actually a quote from what's called the Great Shema. Now, Shema means here. And so it begins, it's Deuteronomy 6, and it actually begins, Hear, O Israel. And so that's why it's called the Great Shema. And so it's quoted from there, and it's also, there's also a quote from Leviticus 19. And there's, it's interesting that these two are put together, and we'll talk about that as we go on. So, so let's dive in. Luke chapter 10, it is up here behind me. We're going to start in verse 25, and we're going to read through 28. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, 
and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. So let's talk about the context here first. The context of this is, the larger context, is the Gospel of Luke. Now the Gospel of Luke is written to Gentiles, non-Jews. Luke was not one of the original disciples. Luke ran around with Paul. He was in ministry with Paul. And so Luke is not a Jewish guy either. And so he writes this. In fact, the very first part of, of Luke, if you've ever read the gospel, in the very first part he says that he gathered all of this information and, and was writing it to Theophilus, this friend of his, apparently, that, that he was telling him, this is what I heard about Jesus. These are the, the stories of Jesus that I collected. So he's, he's writing this not as an original disciple, but as somebody who was in ministry with Paul and somebody who gathered and researched. Luke is the physician. We know him as the doctor. And he was the physician. And so he was a research guy. I, I, can, I, can, uh, I, can, I can identify with Luke. He was a research guy. So am I. So that, that's the overall context. Now, in this immediate context, you may notice, if, you're, if you take a look in your Bible, you may notice right after this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. This, this lawyer asks these questions, and then Jesus goes into the parable of the Good Samaritan to answer his second question. Now, I think it's also interesting that, that we read it in verse 25, that this expert in the law, this lawyer, he was trying to test Jesus. He's not asking this question because he wants to know the answer. He's asking this question because he wants to try and trap Jesus in something. He's a lawyer. Any lawyers in here? Okay, then I can, I can say this. He's a lawyer. He's just trying to trap Jesus in what he has to say. So I think that's interesting, and we'll see how that plays into this as we, as we move along. So that's our, our context, general context and immediate context. Now, so what does this say about God? What do, this, what do these verses tell us about God? Well, it says what, kind of where we started. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. There is no fence to sit on. God wants us to love him like he loves us with all we got, with everything we are. He wants us to respond in his in love to him the way he loves us, and that is with everything he has. God, God loves you so much, he sent his son to die so that he could be in fellowship with you. That's love. That's a love that's hard for us to understand. And so he wants us to respond in that kind of love. He wants us to respond in love with everything we have. You know, it's said this way, heart, soul, mind, strength. It's said this way, to summarize the whole person. These are, these are kind of a series of prepositional phrases that are meant to summarize all we are. God wants you to love him with all you are. Because all you are is a gift from him in the first place. All you are is, is, is who God made you to be. And so he wants you to love him, respond to him in love with all that you are. Now, it also, I think, shows us that there are, God has expectations of us. We talked about forgiveness not being just an end unto itself. There's reconciliation in mind here. And so fellowship with God has requirements of us. 
And those requirements are that we respond to his love. We respond to his forgiveness. That's easy, right? That's easy. I can dump my sin someplace. I'm into that. But he also wants us to respond to him in love. And so he has, he has standards. He has expectations of us. Now, I think these verses also show us that Jesus is God. There are plenty of that, that say Jesus is, was just a man or Jesus was a great prophet. But Jesus here defines and, and the law. He defines the law. And so that only God can do that. And in fact, he, Jesus goes beyond the law and goes to the intent. When he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he goes to the intent of the law that's behind the law. So Jesus has to be God in order to define and to, to show what the law meant, show the intent of the law. So these verses tell us Jesus is God. They also tell us that, and, and this again is more context, but they show us that Jesus is our example to follow. He's our example to follow because think about the passion that Jesus had for God. Think about how, how he did everything God asked him to do. Think about his relationship with God. Wouldn't you like to have that relationship with God? He is our example to follow. Now, you, kind, you could kind of say that these, that these two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, you could kind of say that these sum up the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are about our relationship with God. The other six are about our relationship with other people. And so you could very much say that these, simply stating this, sums up the whole of the Ten Commandments. Jesus, Jesus shows us the intent behind the Ten Commandments when he, when he translates this for us. So what does it say about us? You know, I, I, I think we have to grudgingly admit we are this lawyer. We are, because, because what do we want we want to know the minimum standard to get into heaven, right? Show me the absolute minimum I can do and still make it to eternal life. I, I just want to slide in under the gate. That's what this lawyer is doing, isn't it? He's asking for the minimum requirements. I want, I want to know the absolute minimum I can do to have eternal life because I don't want, I don't want this whole God thing to, to take over my whole life. I just want to give what I have to give. I want to check the boxes so I can make it in. Right? We are this guy. We are this guy. We're not, we're not necessarily trying to trap Jesus in what he says, like he is, but what we are doing is asking for the bare minimum we can do that, will, that, that won't, uh, won't mess up the current life we have. We want to just add Jesus to our current life, and when we do that, we want to do it in the, mo in, in the most minimally invasive way we are this lawyer and then when the lawyer gets the answer he wants to define terms well then who's my neighbor you say you love your neighbor as yourself who's my neighbor he wants to now let's define the terms right let's we got the answer we want or we we got the answer we asked for but it's not the one we want and so we we want to define the terms now does this sound familiar to you at all 
in your own life. We are this guy. We have this human need of, of wanting to work our way to heaven. It's, you know, about 70% of the belief systems in the world are built on the idea that you work your way to heaven. And why is that? Because that's what we want. That's a human religion. We want it that way. We want to be able to check the boxes. We want to pray this prayer five times a day and know that we're gonna, we've done the minimum requirements to get in. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, much tougher, much more uh, invasive in your life than just checking the boxes of doing the prayers. It tells us <laughs> that we are this guy. It also tells us that God loves us this much. God loves us so much that he wants to be in fellowship with us. Now, I, I've said this many times from this platform, but I want you to consider the God that made everything that Jane was describing earlier today wants to have fellowship with you. Isn't that kind of amazing? And in fact, he wants it so bad that he sent his son to die so that it can happen. So that it can have, we, he can have that fellowship. So that the sin problem is dealt with. That God wants you to respond to him in love. So what do we need to do? Well, I hate to restate the obvious, but I will. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our, our mind and all of our strength. We need to love God with everything we are and everything we have. We need to respond to God's love God loves us that much. We need to respond to his love that much. We need to respond to his love with all we've got, everything we have. Now let's kind of look at verse 27, phrase by phrase. Love the Lord your God. Now, as I said earlier, this is from the great Shema, De Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. And, and, and again, it's, it's called that because... Hear, O Israel, is how that starts. And Shema means hear. Every good practicing Jew repeated the great Shema, Deuteronomy 4, 6, 4, and 5, every day, twice a day, morning and evening. Every good practicing Jew says this, repeats this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, every day, twice a day. It was a reminder to them of who they were and a reminder to them of who God is. Interesting, and I think we could learn something from that, couldn't we? What if you started your day, every day this coming week, reciting this? What if every day this week you woke up and said, I am going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. What if you did that every day this week? How do you think it would change your outlook on that day? How do you think it would change your outlook on the week? How do you think it would change you by this time next week? If we were to just remember this like the, the Jewish believers did. Now there is an important point here that I don't want to skip over. It says, love the Lord your God. Is the Lord your God? He must be. 
If your God is anything else, your work, your money, your stuff, your family, your anything else takes the place of God, then you're not loving the Lord your God with all you have. He must be first in everything. It can't be your security. It can't be your money. It can't be your stuff. It can't even be good things like your family. But it, it must be God first. Must be. Love the Lord your God. Now the next phrase is with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And as I said, these are prepositional phrases. They're set up really... And, it, and it's fun to parse it all out, isn't it? It's kind of fun to say, okay, the heart is the will and the emotions, the, the soul is the life force, the strength is the physical body and the motivation, the mind is the thought life and the intelligence. It's fun to parse this all out, but what it's meant to do is show us the whole. It's meant to show us that all of us, everything we've got, all that we are, must respond to God in love. Everything we have. Every thought, every emotion, every decision of the will, every decision of right and wrong, everything about us must respond to God in love. That's what this is really meant to, sh to show us, is that our, our whole self. Now, I will tell you that, uh, that in Deuteronomy 6, it does not talk about the mind. It just says heart, soul, strength. Mind is added in the New Testament. I think that's probably because the Greek culture had taken over this area when Alexander the Great took over this area. He imported or exported the Greek culture to every place he, he conquered. And so there was so much emphasis placed on the, on the thought life and the intelligence and the mind, kind of like our society today. Very much like our society today. The thought life is so important to the person. And so God, God brings that in. The Jewish person saw the whole person when, they said, when, he, when he simply said uh, heart, soul, strength. We need mind added in there because we need our thought life to be considered. They did not, the, the Jewish person did not put did not separate that from the soul the way we do. We separate that out, and so it's added here. So what's it, what's it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? Well, I, uh, I have often said the three T's, your time, your treasure, and your talent. What, what do you spend the, first, the best of your time with, the best of your treasure on, and what do you spend your talent on? Those, if those firsts, is, if the best of each of those are not God's, then your life is not God's. Your time, treasure, and talent show what really is important to you. So loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind is loving God with all of your time, your, your treasure, and your talent. And then he says, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is not actually in Deuteronomy 6 either. This isn't part of the great Shema at all. This is actually from Leviticus 19.18. I'll read it to you. It says, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. 
I am the Lord. Now, I mentioned, I, I kind of mentioned earlier that it kind of sums up the Ten Commandments. But what's interesting is if, if you re start researching the great Shema and you start reaching, re these, these two, the Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, were not put together by any of the rabbis. It wasn't put together until the time of Jesus. It wasn't put together until Jesus taught it this way. Now, what that means is that this lawyer has heard Jesus before. Because, remember, it's the lawyer that says this. It's the lawyer that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. It's the lawyer that puts them together, and yet no rabbi puts it together but Jesus. So this guy, this lawyer, this isn't the first time he's, he's heard Jesus. Or, not, certainly not the first time he's heard of Jesus' teachings. Because Jesus is the one that puts these two together. So what's that mean for his question? It means he came loaded, right? Don't we do that? Don't we kind of come at, come at an argument loaded? Don't we come at, the, at Scripture kind of loaded? All right, I got a question, and, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this out. We come at, at Scripture the same way that this guy comes at Jesus. This guy had heard either Jesus or the teachings of Jesus before, and he comes at this and, and shows that he had, he had a motive. He had a motive behind asking Jesus. Do we ever have a motive behind looking at Scripture? I know plenty in our society does. They look at Scripture with a motive to try and trip, trip it up. That's what this guy is doing. Our love of our neighbor shows our love for God. Jesus puts these together because they're a natural fit. Really, if you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they're all about this idea that the love of God comes to us, works in us, then through us to others. So when we love God, when we respond to God in love, we respond to others in love. We show our love for God when we show love to others. So these two naturally go together in the Christian life. They didn't before Jesus put them together. So what's the comfort and the challenge of these verses? The comfort in this verse is God's love for us. God loves us so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your place on that cross so that he could have a relationship with you. So he could deal with the sin that, is, that stands between you and God. He loves us that much. And he wants us to respond to him in love. So what's the challenge? It is loving God with all we are. It's easy for us to make a part of our life ours and the rest of it God's. It's easy for us to, to hang on to certain parts of our life because, well, we kind of like to be in charge. We kind of like having the control. This verse tells us to surrender. This verse tells us 
to surrender all we are, to give to God everything we are and everything we have. So the challenge of this verse is to surrender. It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. And then we will love our neighbor as ourselves. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Because I need to ask the question, is the Lord your God? Is he first in your life? Is he the one thing that keeps you going? Is he the, is he the one that you can't wait to talk to in the morning? Is he the one? Maybe you need to take a step of faith toward God today. I've said several times that Jesus died on the cross to pay your price. He, di he died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. If you can have a relationship with God with a, with a simple prayer, a simple prayer that just says, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died on the cross to pay my price. I'm going to trust that he died to reconcile me to you, Father. So I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to, to show me how to love you with all I've got. All I am and all I've got. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning as you just look back over the last couple of weeks, you realize it hasn't been about God. It's been about you. Will you take this moment and ask God to forgive you and, and show God, tell God that you love him with all you are and all you have? Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that it presents. We thank you for the comfort that it provides. Father, we express our love for you right now. We love you with all we are and with all we have. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.